Podcast with Kate and Liz. Hello. <laughs> I was trying to come up with some real brilliant thing to say. <laughs> I was and I blew it. <laughs> you just had such a dramatic entrance, like dramatic pause, and then just yeah, laughter. Because literally the hamsters in my brain were <laughs> spinning their wheel, and then they just stopped and my brain stopped functioning. Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Anyway. Hamsters in your wheel. <laughs> oh, my God. My poor little hamsters. Oh, they're like, just feed me Aww. and let me rest. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, here's more food and more resting. <laughs> Sounds like okay. to me. Yeah, they're living the life up there. Anywho, we are back with our series, Famous Risk Takers. And last week, wow, really learned a lot. And then since we recorded, I'm like learning more about all these famous female spies because I've been Googling it. And, you know, so now it's coming up all over my feed and everything. So. Well, I mean, I feel like you talked about Julia Child last time and it's like, we could have a whole series on like extra famous female spies. So yeah. Ones that we did were famous, but then there's like Julia Child and Josephine Baker, who you sent me, you know, yes. like people who were huge stars in their day that were actually also spies. So, yes, yeah, so I'm definitely going to cover Josephine Baker at some point. I, yeah. I don't, I still haven't picked my topic for next week. So, if you have any one you really want me to deep dive into, please let me know on Instagram. Just DM. Um, the at famous Kate and Liz KBC account. And I will take into consideration. I will strongly take into consideration. <laughs> um, so my hamsters don't have to work as exactly. hard. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. All suggestions always welcome. Well, I found my person this week on like a random list of 40 risk takers. Um, I don't know if she's like a risk taker in the sense that women putting their lives on the line during World War II was really a risk taker, but she is taking risks in like a very traditionally male dominated field, even to this day, and was like a standout star um, and advocate for women in a lot of ways. Yeah, there has to be all different levels of risk taking, you know, because if everybody's like a huge risk taker, that's going to be crazy. (laughs) So it's like... We're all just doing, you know, doing what we can. I love it. The different degrees. Yeah. Varying degrees of risk taking. So yeah, this week I'm doing Annie Oakley. Uh, Annie, get your gun. You may know that um, I'm not a gun like person. (laughs) So. Oh no, this is being flagged. I already know. I was like, like an odd choice for me. But I do, I mean, like, I grew up in Arizona in the West, and I feel like I've always heard of, like, Annie Oakley, like, growing up and, you know, stuff about her, so. Yeah, I don't really know anything about her, like, personal life or anything. I know my dad used to love old Westerns, but you think I wanted to sit there and watch a Western when I could be watching, like, Real World or something? No. (laughs) I mean, I feel like she's, like, kind of part of, like, this lore now, like, just, like, Billy the Kid, kind of, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, so definitely when you think of the Wild West, you don't really think as women, like, having a very prominent 
role in pretty much of anything there. So <laughs> she's like definitely a standout. Um, Annie Oakley, it was a renowned Marx woman and she was a star who worked for, um, for years and years um, with Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. So back before streaming and TV and radio, <laughs> there were books and like traveling entertainment <laughs> shows. Like <laughs> there were books. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. There was like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm dead. Yes, so it was like one of those traveling kind of entertainment shows, right? Like people go and see. Oh my god, yes. If something like that comes to your town, yeah, you're going. Please, you're going. You're yeah. going. You're bringing the whole fam. Yep. Yeah. It's something to do. So you, so she would do things like shooting like cigarettes out of her, you know, people's mouths and like playing cards and stuff like that, like things that were just super hard to do and like took like precision yeah. to do. Yeah. Like trick, trick shots. Exactly. With a gun. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm trying to think of. Yeah. yeah. Trick shots. I'm like, you know. Don't worry. My, my hamster's got your back. Yeah. I'm like, she did hard things with bullets. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. So that's who I'm doing this week. So let's get into it. Um, she was born Phoebe Ann Moses, um, and oh. her name later in life, which we'll talk about. And um, like I said, she had these like superb markmanship abilities, um, and she started them like really, like the re the reason she got so good at marksmanship and shooting guns was because she had to hunt um, food for her family to live off of because they were very poor. Oh, um, damn. Yeah. So she's like been shooting since she could probably hold a gun. Exactly. Yeah. So she was born on August 13th, 1860 in Dark County, Ohio. And she did not have like the best childhood outside of, you know, being really poor. Her father and her stepfather died when she was a child and she went to live at like the county infirmary. Um oh you know, during that time. And she received like some schooling and some sewing instruction and helped like take care of the other orphan children. Um, but eventually she was able to go back and live with her mother and her second stepfather in her teens. And that's when she got into hunting game for like a local grocery store to sell to local gro grocery stores. Oh my God. Like they had food and money coming in and she was so good at what she did and selling her game she earned so much from her skills that by the time she was 15, she paid off the mortgage on her mother's home just from oh that. Oh, my God. At 15. Okay. Love her entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, that's a born risk taker right there. You're that young, like, realizing you have this, like, entrepreneurial, like, yeah, spirit. Yeah, something that, like, only men are really doing, and you're like, mm -hmm. Like, you know, she could probably do it because she was so good at it. She could do it so quickly and, you know, and whatnot and just keep selling stuff. So, um, wow. but um, because of like her living in poverty from following her father's death in the beginning, um, she didn't go to school regularly as a child. And um, she did like go back to school later um, in her like later childhood and adulthood. But it's like kind of spotty, you know, her education for sure. Um mm -hmm. And on March 15th, 1870, at the age of nine, 
oh, sorry, this is, I already mentioned this part. This is when she was, went into the infirmary. Um, so she was like at nine years old when she went in there, then became a teen, came out and was able to be re reunited uh -huh. with her family. Um, but during this time, like she was lent out, like during this time in the infirmary, um, she was lent out to like a local family to help care for their infant son. So like, oh. that's what they used to do, I guess. Like they would just like send the older girls out to like other families who needed help with their babies. Oh and my God. Could you imagine? Basically like glorified, well, not even glorified foster. I'm thinking like they're getting sent into these homes where, I mean, are they being checked up on? Probably not. So basically, you're you're totally alluding to it. What Annie has said about it is that she spent basically two years in near slavery to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she had it like enduring mental and physical abuse. The couple had originally said they just wanted someone who could like pump water, cook, and, you know, take care of the baby. Uh, but no, they like totally like physically and mentally abused her. Um, oh. One time, the wife put her out in the freezing cold without any shoes on as a punishment because she had fallen asleep during, like, while she was doing some darning. Um, oh, my God. She's like, dude, I'm 10, and I'm, like, watching your baby for you. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. And so Annie Oakley did write an autobiography, and in it she referred to this couple as the wolves, but has never, like, revealed the, their real names. Oh, so, interesting. Like, definitely, like, a traumatic traumatic childhood you know yeah yeah oh my god living in the 1800s late 1800s sounds traumatic anyway so yeah yeah I'm pretty sure every child in yeah. that time had some sort of traumatic <laughs> moment at least once exactly and smelled so bad everyone oh my god <laughs> the bo I know I can't um okay so how did she become this like amazing wild west star well, on Thanksgiving Day in 1875, um, there was this Bauman and Butler shooting act that had come to Cincinnati. Like, it was this traveling marksman show. Um, and at the show, this, like, um, renowned marksman and former dog trainer, Frank E. Butler, um, had placed a bet. Um, so he placed a $100 bet, which is the equivalent to $2,700 in last year in 2022. So he placed a $100 bet at the time with a Cincinnati hotel owner named named Jack Frost. I'm not making it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, that he could beat any local fancy shooter. So Jack Frost was like, well. <laughs> I'm sorry. All I can think about is, oh, my God, I should do Jack Frost for my risk taker because he like went from the cold to the warm <laughs> you can do martin short as a risk taker for taking on yeah. of jack frost yeah yeah i will somehow tie it in <laughs> oh my god okay sorry back to back to human jack frost jack frost the cincinnati hotel owner um so yeah he bet frank butler he, he took the bet and he was like hey i know this 15 year old amazing Mark's woman named Annie um and Butler like that's like the last person he expected right like a five foot tall 15 year old girl like to be his competitor oh. um so she came and competed against him and after missing on his 25th shot he lost the match and the bet to Annie Oakley um at this like public you know display 
Um, Dang. Yeah. And so, like, there was, like, another account that says he did hit his last shot, but, like, I guess they were shooting, like, birds or, like, throwing some, not real birds, I don't think, but, like, throwing things up in the air, you know, and it went, like, two feet outside the boundary line. Um, so she beat him, and then he began courting her, and they married a year later. <laughs> so when she was 16. Oh, oh whoa, okay. That was a twist I did not see coming. My head is literally spinning. It escalated quickly between Annie and Frank, uh, for sure. I don't know how old he was. I I don't know why I don't have this in here, but, like, I honestly don't remember seeing it in my research, but he's obviously older than her, okay? Uh, I would imagine. Oh, my God, I'm going to look this guy up. Jack Frost, Annie Oakley. No, 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 Frank Butler is the... Oh, oh, yes. Jack Frost is the hotel owner, but yeah. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Frank Butler. Okay. Yes. Um, Very interesting. There was a certificate on file with the archives of Ontario um, in Canada that reports that Butler and um, Oakley were married on June 20th, 1882 in Windsor, Ontario. But many sources say their marriage took place um, in 1876 in Cincinnati, but there was like no record that um, validates that date. But there is like the reason there might be contradictory dates for um, their marriage is that Frank Butler's divorce from his first wife, Henrietta Saunders, was not yet final in 1876. So they might have just like fudged the documentation. So it didn't look like he was, I don't know, (laughs) cheating on his wife with marrying another woman while he was still married, you know. Right. Interesting. Yes. It says here that he was 10 years older than her. Oh, okay. Okay. Honestly, I thought it was probably more, so. <laughs> it might be, you know, they they could have budged some things. But again, he was 16. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, throughout her show business career also, like, the public was often led to believe that she was five to six years younger than she really was, too. And we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But th- that, this could have been one reason why, also. Um, because of his first wife. So, um, like we were talking about with the female spies last time, like, I kind of feel like her husband, Frank Butler was like the man behind the woman that helped like really get her, you know, like supported her and advocated for her. And like, it really does seem like they loved each other. They worked together forever. Um, they began working professionally together in 1882 after Frank Butler's partner, who he would do his marksmanship and trick shots with fell ill and Annie took um his place so they started working together uh doing these marksmanship things you know performances and exhibits and they lived in Cincinnati for a time um and it's believed that Oakley like her last name because that wasn't her birth last name and it's not Frank's last name oh right yeah it's her stage last name they think it came from like a section of the city where she was living at that time and there's like an Oakley Cincinnati I guess um oh okay there's also like some people believe she took that name because there was like a man when she was younger who had paid for her train fare and his his name was Oakley so I don't know. There's like a lot of, you know, it's like back then where it's like hard to document things. So there was like, a- I know. And if she didn't directly say in her autobiography. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's they- a good name. She chose a good name. 
Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And so they started working together on the, you know, Buffalo Bills Wild West traveling show, like I mentioned at the beginning. And Annie Oakley met, like during this time, um, Native American leader Sitting Bull in 1884. Cool. Uh huh. And he was so impressed with her manner and her, like her abilities, that he adopted her, and like oh. you know, in quotes, and bestowed like this additional name called Little Sure Shot to her. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So then, like you know. Her and Butler, her husband, had been in the show. Like, they joined the show the next year. Um, but she kind of had this lifelong, like, friendship with Sitting Bull. Oh, uh, I love that for her. Yeah, little sure shot. <laughs> oh, that's sick. Um, yeah, and so they were in the show for, um, like, more than a decade and a half. And she would get the spotlight and top billing. And her husband worked as her manager and he, you know, was kind of like her assistant in the shows. Um, audiences were wowed. She could shoot off, like, like I said earlier, like the end of a cigarette out of her husband's lips. Um, the thin edge of a playing card from like 30 paces um, in distance. Uh, you know, she would shoot like holes through cards thrown up into the air before they landed. Um, and yeah, and so... It was just interesting, like, you know, she did all this stuff. She became world-renowned. She uh, even entertained, like, royals, like Queen Victoria and Kaiser Wilhelm II. Oh, my God. That's yeah. nuts. She even shot a cigarette out of the Kaiser's mouth when she... No. <laughs> Would you ever? Like, no. she is... That is a risk-taker. Yeah, right? Oh, my gosh. Like, what if you killed her? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, but she's she's a little sure, sure shot. Yeah. She's not going to miss. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. I mean, and that must have been quite the sight to see. Right. You know, right. like such a cool, you can't, you know, there's no YouTube. You can't just like, you know, oh, turn yeah. on a screen and watch something amusing. Like, this would have been so amusing to it's see. Like, yeah, for sure. You know, um, and I thought this was interesting. So while she was like, during her first like engagement with the Buffalo Bill show, she had this like rivalry with another female sharpshooter named Lillian Smith. Um, and Lillian was 11 years younger than um, Oakley. So, you know, Oakley was now like an adult and Lillian was now 15 when she joined the show. So like, Lil like Annie joined the show when she was adult, but like, you know, Lillian is now joining it when she was like kind of the age that Annie started at. And, um, this might have been a reason why Annie also altered her age, like, during her... Oh, yeah. Because, like, there was more favorable press coverage, like, for younger people. Um, and Annie actually temporarily left, temporarily left the Bill, uh, Buffalo Bills show um, kind of because of this rivalry and returned two years later after Lillian Smith left. Um, Lillian oh, left wow. Lillian left to go, like, be part of this Paris exposition in um, 1889. And so like once she left and was kind of out of the country, that is like when like Annie really like rose to fame in the U S and like kind of became this like main person for the show and oh. kind of, like, able to like outrun Lillian, you know? <laughs> wow. So interesting. I know female rivalry, you know, come on ladies. Um, <laughs> 
support each other. Work together. Yes, we just saw the Barbie movie. Shooter in the Old West, apparently. That's a female. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, like, come on. Uh, Anyway, so um, besides being a badass uh, marksman, Annie Oakley was also, like, an advocate for a lot of... um, women's rights and equality. She really promoted the service of women in combat operations for the United States Army. She wrote a letter to President William McKinley in 1898, offering the government services of a company of 50 lady sharpshooters who would provide their own arms and ammunition um, if the U.S. were to go to war with Spain, because this was like the beginning of the Spanish-American War. So while the Spanish-American War did happen, her offer was never accepted, but I guess the best they did do, which is like not that much at all, uh, following McKinley, Theodore Roosevelt named his like voluntary or volunteer cavalry that he put together, the Rough Riders. That name was like inspired by Buffalo Bill's Wild West um, and Congress of Rough Riders, which like Annie Oakley was a major star of that show. As oh, that's where like Rough Riders came from, and she was like a major star of that. Um, but they like didn't take her up on her offer. They were just like, well, we'll just like have this, you know, group of volunteers named after something you were part of. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and you can't be a part of it, right? But Good you can't day. be part of it for real. Yeah, exactly. Um, in 1901, the same year as McKinley's assassination, um. Annie and her husband were in a train accident, actually, and she she was pretty badly hurt, um, and she had temporary par- paralysis and five spinal operations. After- oh, no, that's not good for her. No. Work. <laughs> no, so she had to leave the Buffalo Bill show um, in 1902 to do, like, yeah, a less taxing acting career like um in stage plays because at this time she was so popular people started writing these stage plays about her so she's like just playing herself basically in these plays oh that's smart (laughs) yeah so um the western girl was um a play by nancy berry um or sorry was a play about a woman named nancy berry who was inspired by her, who used a pistol and a rifle and a rope to outsmart a group of outlaws. And so she was in that and she started to take on more acting roles where she could still do like some of the, what's it called? Like stunts and props and stuff like that. But it just like, wasn't as taxing as. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so smart. Yeah. And throughout her career, it was believed that she taught more than 15,000 women how to use a gun Um, she believed strongly that it was crucial for women to learn how to use a gun as not only a form of physical and mental exercise, but also to defend themselves. She said, I, she once said, I would like to see every woman know how to handle guns as naturally as they know how to handle babies. So, whoa, um, definitely, you know, was trying to arm the women, uh, for various reasons. Um, she also like, let me just find this. Like she was kind of like a woman's right, um, advocate, but she was not an advocate for women's suffrage, which was interesting because like that was big at this time. Um, she did like campaign for things like equal pay for equal work and all of that. Um, and like more economic things, equality for women, 
um, and women participating in the military, like we said. But when it came like to the right of women to vote, uh, she apparently said that it was only acceptable if only the good women voted, which. Oh, well, she, she probably knew a lot of bad women. Right. She ain't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hysterical. She's probably like, I'm thinking of like. Yeah. <laughs> my foster mother or whatever like these women sold me off as slave like slave labor totally oh my god male dominated field too you know and like yeah Mm -hmm. you know she had this rivalry and with this other marksman lady Lillian so yeah I don't know I I mean makes sense whatever (laughs) that was her stance (laughs) yeah whatever Uh, we're not dying on this hill (laughs) exactly (laughs) She continued to set records like way into her 60s. Um, and she also was a big philanthropist for, you know, like we said, women's rights and other causes. Um, and she would support a lot of young women she knew. Um, she did like a comeback tour and instead um, intended to star in a feature length silent movie. Um like oh. when she was age 62, she was still doing things like hitting 100 clay targets in a row from 16 yards away. Uh, you know, so she was still like getting plenty of tension when she was older and way into her 60s. Um, then, you know, after she, you know, has now kind of recovered from this train accident, she and her husband were in a car crash um, in 19. 19- oh, my God. And she had to wear like a steel brace on her right leg. Um, but like, you know, this reminded me so much of like Gloria Estefan. She like worked really hard and rehab for like more than a year of recovery and then went on to continue to set records in like two years later in 1924. So like she didn't let that stop her, her brace or anything. Um, But a year later in 1925, her health started to decline and she died of um, pernicious (laughs) anemia, pernicious anemia, some form of anemia, a really bad form of anemia in Greenville, Ohio at the age of 66. Um, and at, it was actually 1926. So her health started to decline in 25. And so she kind of stopped performing and then died November 3rd, 1926. And um, she was cremated and her ashes were buried at Brock Cemetery near Greenville, Ohio. Wow. That is the story of Annie Oakley. Yeah, and I did, I don't know why I don't have it in here. I must have cut it out. But, like, I also read that I think her husband died 18 days later and was buried next to her. Um, He, like, kind of died of, um, I can't remember what they called it. Like, it was sort of like he died of a broken heart, but they, you know, it was, like, different. Oh. But it was something that was just sort of, like, he just died, you know? (laughs) Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's sad. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, I'm seeing this. Okay. Oh, this is so sad. One biographer reported that Butler stopped eating after his wife's death, Mm. leading to his own death from starvation. Yeah. Like, I can't remember what they classified it as. But yeah, I mean, he just couldn't recover, you know. And so that's why, like, you know, I think that they really loved each other. And, you know. Um, he always promoted her and was, you know, kind of willing to be the man behind the woman, which, you know, is not always the case for famous women. Yeah. Uh, 
So a couple like interesting fun facts, because I know you love fun facts. Yes. Oh my God. Things. Okay. So she was involved in a series of like libel cases in 1904 during the sensational cocaine prohibition period. Um, Stories were selling like hotcakes if they were like about cocaine. And Mr. William Randolph Hertz, we all know him, decided to publish a false story that Annie Oakley had been arrested for stealing to support a cocaine habit. <gasps> um, the woman who was actually arrested was a burlesque performer who like told the Chicago police that her name was Annie Oakley, but it wasn't the real Annie Oakley. Um, and so most of the newspapers printed that story um, and they, because they had relied on the Hearst article to be credible, uh, they immediately retracted it with like apologies upon like learning about it because it's libel. Um, however, Hearst like tried to avoid paying like any court judgments, um, but he eventually did have to pay like 20 grand, which was about um, $650,000 in 2022. Um and he like also sent an investigator to Dark County, Ohio, where she was from, with the intent of like collecting more reputation smearing gossip from her past. But the investigator came back, you know, empty handed. He didn't find out anything. Um, but for like the next six years, Annie Oakley spent like so much time in litigation for these libel lawsuits. There were 55 like libel lawsuits against newspapers that she had, and she won all but one of them. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah, exactly. So she was like fighting the good fight for her, her name. Um, let's see. Okay. So this other interesting thing is that her name is synonymous with free tickets or like if we're getting something for free, free admission, like that, um, because back in the 1800s and early 1900s, ushers um, would punch a hole, like one or two holes into free tickets for the circus or like a theater or a sporting event to differentiate the tickets from those of like paying customers. And the hole punches kind of resembled her bullet holes in the cards that she used to use in her shows. And so they just started referring to the free tickets as Annie Oakley's. Oh my God. I feel like I've heard that now that you're saying it. And I was like, just didn't know what, Why? what that connection was. Yeah. I had never heard it, but also I thought this was interesting. According to like the Dixon baseball dictionary, the term Annie Oakley has also been part of baseball lingo to refer to a walk because it's like a free pass to first base. So that's oh also my God. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just a couple random things, um, but, you know, probably today, like, the thing that I also think about the most when it, I think of her legacy is uh, the Irving Berlin musical, Annie Gets Your Gun, <laughs> um, <laughs> based on her story. And it began running in the 40s, starring Ethel Merman, and, like, later on, it's had so many incarnations. It's had, like, Reba McIntyre, Burnett Peters, it's, like, been a long-running Broadway show. Um, and there's just like other, you know, um, creative and media treatments for her life. Basically, there was a movie in 1935 called Annie Oakley, but that one has been noted for being historically inaccurate. <laughs> in 1950, there was another film adaptation of Annie Get Your Gun. 
So it's, you know, in film, stage, books, like her legacy has like lived on. And now our podcast is adding to that. (laughs) (laughs) To the zeitgeist. Yes. Wow. That was very informative. I've got big shoes to fill. (laughs) Yes. So whether you consider her a risk taker or not, I'll leave that up to you. But I think she took some risks in certain ways. Um, And yeah, you know, made, uh, she didn't live very long and she made a huge, like, Mark, pun intended, on um, her field. That was good. That was good. What a better, I I mean, we just got to end it there, I think, because <laughs> that was a beautiful ending. Um, thank you for listening, if you're still with us. Um, and, you know, any episodes you've missed, go back and listen to, because we're super uh, educational. Is this an educational podcast? interesting educational I mean like half educational like if you listen to any of the last hour I like stumbled over my words and notes but you know hopefully oh my god that's like a classic that's a given that's a given in all of our episodes exactly so if you're if you're still following yeah hopefully it's educational but um always send your suggestions to us we always want to hear you know we've got one more episode in this series so looking for suggestions for Kate looking for suggestions for our next series what are some famous things people places you want to hear about yeah Yeah. let us know hit us up hit us up (laughs) catch you on the flippity flop bye